You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Lisko. He's James Rapine. Together, we co-host the Locked On Bengals podcast every day. Thanks for making us your first listen, whether that's on YouTube or any of the great audio platforms out there. We're free and available everywhere, so make sure you hit that subscribe button or follow button, depending on where you're listening, to get us delivered to your eyes and ears every day. James, we're going to start today's show with the big Bengals news of the day, which I completely missed because it was 15 minutes before the Calvin Ridley news broke that Calvin Ridley has been suspended for, well, indefinitely, at least a year for gambling on football. But Jesse Bates has been officially franchise tagged. We've talked about this this week. This was looking like the likely outcome, according to Tyler Dragon. And there's some interesting, I guess, narratives to talk about since this is now official. First, Jay Morrison points out that this is the eighth time the Bengals have used the franchise tag, and only once did they sign that player to an extension that year. That was Rudy Johnson in 2005. The other time they extended a player after the franchise tag was a kicker, and I know how much you guys like your specialists, you Bengals fans. Uh, and that was Mike Nugent. In 2012, he was franchised. He was extended for two years in 2013. So history would suggest that if you're a position player and you have been franchise tagged by the Cincinnati Bengals, you will not see another deal. The examples of this are A.J. Green, Michael Johnson, Shane Graham, another kicker, Stacey Andrews, Justin Smith. Those guys never saw another big deal in Cincinnati. A couple things. One, it sounds like the Bengals got it right in all of those situations except for Justin Smith. And he went on to the 49ers and was more productive. Am I wrong on any of those? Initial reaction. You know, I I don't think so. So that's the first one. So the stat is the stat. And I'm glad Jay looked it up because I sure as hell wasn't going to. But um, yeah, I mean, it's different when you're talking about a 25-year-old safety. Uh, The other part of this is we told you. This is why you should subscribe to the Locked on Bengals podcast on YouTube. So maybe you can see my face when I tell you a month ago that that's probably what's going to happen. I could have told you at the Super Bowl. I could have told you uh, mid-season that that was what was happening because here's the reality. Jesse Bates had career lows in tackles, passes defense, and interceptions. He's supposed to be this ball hawking, I cover the center field, uh, type safety, and he was in the playoffs, no doubt. He killed it. I get it. You're murmuring to yourself right now. But if his asking price is the same now, probably is, as it was last summer, like I said, probably is, and they didn't get a deal done last summer when he was a second-team All-Pro, why the hell would any of us be confident that something's going to get done unless Bates is, is agent and, and Bates are going to be flexible and drop down that asking price? And we have no indication that that's the case. Saw this coming from a mile away. And look, I, I still think there's a chance that a long-term deal gets done. But I don't necessarily blame the Bengals either because I'm not going to celebrate. I'd be happy for Jesse, but I'm not going to celebrate and throw a Jesse Bates party if he signs an $18.5 million per year deal with 
45 million guaranteed over four years. And that could be what it comes down to. I think back to our podcast last year, and I know we have a lot of new listeners, but when we were talking about this stuff in the heat of training camp, Jake, we talked about guaranteed money. And guess what? Free agency coming up. Guess what we're going to talk a lot about? Guaranteed money. And that might be the hangup. It might not be the average uh, yearly salary and everything that goes into that. It might be, but it might not be. And that's uh, that's the part of it that uh, sometimes gets overlooked, I think. So I'm not uh, discouraged by this at all. Knew it was coming, $12.91 million. Um, it's value. If you think he's the you know the top safety in the NFL, I don't think the Bengals necessarily view him that way. I think they think he's a really, really high-end safety. And so he's getting paid like a top five safety in the league. So I think he should be happy overall, even though he wants that long-term deal, because he's going to make essentially double what he made in his first four years. And, uh, and we'll see if they can find a, a way to get a long-term deal done between now and July 15th. And it's important to mention that they still are working on a deal. All indications are both player and team would like to get an extension done. And that's still in progress, according to multiple reports. And you're right. It probably does have something to do with full guarantees and all this stuff. And we're going to be talking to a, a guy that knows a lot about guarantees and the cap and contract structure this week. That's Andre Perota. He'll be joining us to talk about the Bengals money outlook this week. There's a teaser for you. The next day we're going to have Jeff Hobson on, and he's very familiar with the Bengals and you may not like his cap math, but he knows how this team spends its money. He knows how this team does its accounting. So we're going to get the, the objective, I should say, high-level external view from Andre. We're going to get the familiar with the team view from Jeff this week. And so it'll be good to get both of those perspectives in the next couple of days. And we'll talk about the Jesse Bates situation with both of them, I'm sure. But the other thing, James, that we were going to talk about to do with Jesse Bates getting tagged were these quotes, these statements. Mm -hmm. I, I liked what Zach Taylor had to say. It's pretty boilerplate stuff. Jesse's been an important part of this organization, both on and off the field. I'm excited for the opportunity for Jesse to be with us again this year as we continue to improve our team. Great. Perfect. Katie Blackburn said, Jesse has been an outstanding player here for four years. Over the past year, we've tried to extend his contract in Cincinnati. And while that hasn't come to pass, we want him here for 2022 to be a part of what we think should be an exciting season and a bright future for our organization. And I reacted to that quote a little bit. And I think that there are a few ways you can interpret this. One is she's telling the fans, we've tried to get an extension done. We couldn't do it. He'll be here for 2022. And if he would like to be back, we think our future is really bright so he can make that choice. That's, that's one way to read this, right? Is, we're, we're happy to have him for next year. And Jesse, if you want to be back and be part of this, the money's there. You can sign on the dotted line. Another way to read this is we tried and failed to get an extension done. He's going to be here for 2022. You guys know our history, and I'm not going to say we're continuing to work on an extension. Now, of course, there have been reports since the statement went out that both sides are still working on a, a long-term deal. But I don't know. I think for me, mentioning the the attempt to extend his contract is is maybe what got me in in Katie's statement 
if if instead the statement is just he's been great here for four years, we want him here for 2022 to be part of what should be an exciting season and a bright future for our organization. I don't think I have any real reaction at all. I think it's the acknowledgement of of the failure, I guess, to extend the contract so far that you could interpret it a couple of ways, you know, playing a game with the agent, telling the fans, hey, we tried, you know, and, and or the, the the negative view that's like, yeah, well, we tried, we're done. And I don't think that's the case. I think this is very Mike Brown-like. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I think it's very, this is what we've done. We like Jesse. He's a good player. And we want him here. This is why we use the tag. Because the tag is viewed, certainly by Jesse's camp. He went on NFL Network a few weeks ago as a negative, as a bad thing. Overall, right? You you want long-term security. You don't want to get tagged. He said it. He's praying that it doesn't happen. You know, all that stuff. And uh, I might be paraphrasing or misquoting, or maybe I'm quoting him, just not from that NFL Network interview. But you get my point. And so I think she's just telling the truth, and it's very dry, and she didn't go out of her way. And it's hard, especially in a text, to decipher this, right? <laughs> well, we, especially us, you know, millennials on down, Gen Xers, they try to, oh, my God, did, did she have an attitude when she texts me that? It's just really hard, right, to, to decipher the tone. I think it's literally dry, straight to the point. This is what we tried to do. Couldn't get it done. She didn't mean to imply that their talks talks are broken off. She's not going to say that talks are still on because it's an ongoing thing that, that again, it's irrelevant to bring up right now. And um, so, yeah, I think uh, that's how I took it. And I know there were fans that took it the other way where it's like, oh, my God, talks are ending. And like you said, they're still talking. Um, I, and if I'm the Bengals, I – not that you want to stop talking. I'm okay with not talking over the next few weeks now. You have him locked up for 2022 unless they are willing to come down and meet you and and really be flexible here. Let's focus on getting some of these other guys signed up and, and getting Burrow protected. And then you can always circle back and get Bates done. I know that's not what they want to do, but they have a lot of guys that they want to keep. And so it can't just be Jesse Bates hour here when you're talking about whining and dining some of these big-time free agents plus – you know, everything that goes into keeping a BJ Hill or a CJ Uzama or all of these guys that uh, are pending free agents as well. So uh, but the, this does ahead. remind me of the franchise tag on AJ Green, where they actually hurt themselves in terms of in terms of cap flexibility. Right. So that's the other side of this is there's no flexibility with the franchise tag. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about that with Andre. And well, maybe this will tell us a little the, the draft will certainly tell us a little bit of something about how the Bengals view Jesse Bates as rumors are they might go defense but the mock drafts that I've seen today James are overwhelmingly offensive line and we'll go there coming up next football is over but basketball full steam ahead and that's why you got to get to bet online right now because college hoops well they're not only in full swing but the tournament is just right around the corner. So you can get all the latest odds, totals, player props, and more in one spot. Bet online. They're the best spot for all things betting. I've used them. You should too. And it's not just basketball. Oh, heck no, it's not just basketball. Maybe you're looking for 2022 football odds and the Bengals' chances of making it to the big game again. Or maybe hockey, boxing, UFC. Head to Bet Online right now on your mobile device or your PC or laptop and check out all they have to offer. Bet online where the game starts. 
Hey, Jake, real quick before we yeah. dive in, and I know we're going to dive in. Um, <laughs> I wanted to beat you to it because, you know, we do this unscripted. This is what we see. This is what you see here on uh, Locked on Bengals. The, the other thing, though, like I get it, like the cap flexibility. I don't think like four million is going to change it. Right. Or, you know, the couple million difference that because if they signed him to a $15 million deal starting this year. So it's an $8 million cap hit versus 12. Like, I just, I think that in their minds, they're like, all right, well, this is what it is. Like, it, it probably wasn't going to impact things. AJ Green, you're right. I mean, it was, what was it, 18 million, 19 million? It was much different. Yeah. So I think that that part of it um, is a difference. I just wanted to mention that before we moved on. Yeah. And the way they do business, it might not have a huge impact either because they're not typically spending to the cap. They're spending a lot of money. And, and we'll talk to Andre about that tomorrow too, because they're going to spend a ton of money. I've said a hundred million a few times, the minimum they'll probably spend in cash this off season is probably 60 million. I would project it to be closer to 100. So they're going to spend a lot of money either way. It's just a matter of, of cap accounting and the 4 million could make a difference if they wanted to choose now to be the time they spend up to the cap and they mm -hmm. want to go restructure Trey Hendrickson for an additional four to six million dollars on the cap this year to, to fit in a little bit more, you know, and, and really go nuts. Right. But that isn't the way that they've done things in the past. And uh, let's transition from there. We've talked about Jesse Bates and the franchise tag. It feels like every day for the last, I don't know, seven episodes because it's been pertinent and that's been top of mind. But while free agency is just right around the corner and the franchise tag deadline is, well, essentially upon us and past us for the Cincinnati Bengals, it's definitely draft season, James. I know free agency is next week, but we've got our first post-combine mock drafts. And before we dive into the summary there and some of the players selected, because this year, man, it is very much all over the place. I would mm -hmm. say like a guy like Trevor Penning, I've seen mocked as high as the top 10 and as low as 31. And so very non-consensus, mm -hmm. I would say, but doesn't necessarily sound like the Bengals are focused on an offensive lineman at 31, the way that you or I might be looking at it, or you, the listener might be looking at the draft and looking for, oh man, is Kenyon Green going to get there? Did Zion, uh, did Zion test himself out of 31 and test his way into the 20s? Did uh, Trevor Penning, you know, did, did Bernard Raymond do enough to, to justify his age? Well, it sounds like the Bengals, after investing in the draft and the offense in recent years and in free agency for defense, might be looking at taking an opposite tact this year. And it would make sense you know, for a few reasons. Um, one, let's just look at it of the likelihood, you know, positions wise, what could be there at 31 that they need slash want to add at that part of the draft. And there is part of it and you can include BPA, but they're not taking a quarterback. They're not taking a wide receiver at 31. I think that's highly unlikely. I guess not impossible because you never say never, but highly, highly unlikely. Um, they're not taking a running back. And so there's no tight end that anyone deems worth the 31st overall pick. That would be great in a way, right? If you could find like this dynamic, awesome tight end, well, he probably wouldn't be there at 31 anyway, but maybe. Um, but no one really views 31 as a, an ideal landing spot there. So most of these positions on offense, you're already checking off for one reason or another as knows, 
And that doesn't mean they don't address them later in the draft. It just seems like eh, unrealistic. So when you do that, and then you look at the draft, yeah, offensive line, they would love to draft an offensive lineman at 31. Some, the next Andrew Whitworth, right? That'd be great. Or the next insert, whoever you want to say, top, a lot of these top guys are probably going to go and be off the board and maybe all of them. And if that happens, well, then they need to have a, a backup plan. And we could talk about some of the offensive linemen that are going in the mock drafts in a minute, but defensively, what could you see them drafting? Because outside of offensive line, doesn't seem like many offensive positions at 31. On defense, corner. I could see that. Safety. Did we or did we not just talk about them franchise tagging Jesse Bates and Von Bell's in the final year of his deal? Potentially. Linebacker? Eh, maybe. We'll get back to that in a second. Defensive end? I think they could use another edge, right? If they if they could find it, that'd be nice. Another pass rusher. I hope you're nodding, by the way, because I'm looking into the camera. I'm not looking at you, so yep, you might yep, be completely yep. disagreeing. Uh, and then defensive tackle? I think that that lines up, right? You know, and that doesn't mean that it lines up with the draft, but I mean from a a defensive standpoint, that would be great. So to me, all of those spots. So the likelihood is it's going to be defense anyway, given the positions and the players and the circumstances. That alone, if you knew nothing else and you just kind of looked at it from a thousand foot view, it makes sense that they would probably see, ah, yeah, it's probably going to be defense. And now you have some of these rumblings. And uh, last time I checked, Jake, you tell me, but you think the Bengals are are too shy to take a cornerback in the first round? Because they've never been shy about that before. So I, I would not be shocked at all if that's the route they go. It's been a while. And, you know, the last couple weren't necessarily Jackson so great. was good, bro. Jackson yeah. was good. I mean, it didn't end well, but Darquez yeah. Denard, of course, injury-riddled uh, time in yeah. Cincinnati. Drake Kirkpatrick, annual yeah. punching bag, although he did sign an extension in Cincinnati. Uh, but a, a bad deal. Go ahead. Well, they, they haven't necessarily been the best at discerning which corners to pay, Agreed. let's say. Uh, although they did hit really solid triples to home runs with Chidobe Abouzier and Mike Hilton. You could absolutely see, in my opinion, any defensive player drafted by the Bengals at 31 and justify it. And that includes linebacker. And we'll talk about that, as you mentioned, in a little bit here. But to me, they're open to any defensive position or an offensive lineman. If they get to a spot where, like, I don't know, one of these wide receivers, Olave or something, somehow falls to them, sure. I don't think they're drafting Olave. I, I think they're like, hey, you want to come get Chris Olave and get that fifth-year option, man? Because because Detroit at 32, maybe they're going to use their pick on a quarterback to get a fifth-year option and have a mm -hmm. developmental guy there. You want you want to come get your last shot at one of these wide receivers, Traylon Burks? Maybe his testing dooms him, and he falls all the way down to 31. So I think they're real, open. Real quick, keep, and I'll let you go. If Chris Olave is there at 31, they should take him. Keep going. I'm not convinced they should. I think that's a. I think that's debatable. I'm not saying that's they shouldn't. That's a take. That's that's a hot take because yeah. and maybe maybe, maybe we just transition here. Maybe this is where we go because there could be an offensive lineman worth drafting at 31 after the combine. The way things have gone, so could could see quarterbacks pushed up. Could see some of these freak athletes at corner and wide receiver pushed up in the draft. Like I'm looking at a mock right now that has Christian Watson who tested like a freak wide receiver from North Dakota State going in the first round. I didn't know that guy existed before the combine. Lewis seen, seen I think, 
Georgia safety, one of those Georgia kids that ran like a freak in the first round, was seen as a day two guy before the combine. So the combine changes things and teams pick quarterbacks in the first round. And so that could lead to one of these offensive linemen getting pushed down. So let's go and finish the show next, James, with a mock draft roundup. Who do the pundits see the Bengals taking and having available to them at pick 31? Today's episode brought to you by Rock Auto. You come to this show each and every day for consistency. It's the only daily Bengals podcast. Well, Rock Auto is just as consistent, getting you affordable car parts conveniently delivered to your home. Wherever you live, they're going to get them to you. And here's the best part. It doesn't matter what you drive. You might drive a Toyota Corolla. You might drive a Chevy Corvette. You might drive a Daewoo like I do. And it doesn't matter. They're going to have the part you're looking for. And you're going to save money at rockauto.com. You're going to save time at rockauto.com. Don't choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more at the big pop, big box stores, at the chains, at the dealership. When you can search at rockauto.com in your fuzzy slippers and get the parts delivered right to your door. So go there now, rockauto.com, and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. It's not quite mock draft Monday, James, but we are going to do a little bit of a mock draft roundup here. We're recording this on a Monday, so if you really stretch your imagination, it's sort of mock draft Monday. (laughs) Still waiting for some of the big hitters to drop their post-combine mock drafts, but a few worth mentioning. And and let's just start with a summary of the picks. Uh, Locked on NFL draft has the Bengals getting a falling Tyler Linderbaum at 31. Uh, something that was seen as a dream scenario, I think, for many coming into the combine. I think some people scared off by his size. We talked about the fact that he was going to measure small. They're at 31 in that one. Kyle Krabs of the dra- Draft Network has Kenyon Green available to the Bengals at 31. Another guy that I think should probably be seen, despite his combine, as a bit of a home run for the Cincinnati Bengals at 31. Doug Farrar with the touchdown wire USA Today. Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle from Tulsa, who had a pretty strong combine for himself, had a bit of a subpar three-cone drill from what I recall, but really seen as a riser. And if he can get his penalties under control, could be a really good right tackle. And the NFL might need a little bit of seasoning, but could be able to play at least guard, perhaps, is what I've heard. From, from those that I trust and those that are connected with the NFL in year one. The other one to talk about that I'm recalling off the top of my head is Trevor Sikama from PFF, who we had on last week to talk about the draft, had the Bengals going defense. And he mentioned that he heard at the combine that the whispers were the Bengals are looking defense at mm-hmm. 31. So we've got three offensive linemen to talk about so far. And he had the Bengals selecting Devin Lloyd, the linebacker from Utah in the first round and before the combine Lloyd and Nicobe Dean were both seen by some as top 15 players. And I've seen a lot of mock drafts, James, where those guys are going toward the tail end of the first round. And if you can get a guy like that, that you think is going to be like a future, you know, the, the player comp I've seen for, for Devin Lloyd is Fred Warner. If you can get a Fred Warner 
then, you know, I'm okay with you picking a linebacker at 31. That That's the argument for, for me to be okay with you picking a linebacker at 31. So, so that's the summary, James. What are your initial impressions? I think a lot of people expect this Bengals team to almost be offensive line no matter what. That's what they have to do. And I think they view it that way in free agency, right? And so how do they go hand in hand? Well, they're no, they're not idiots. They know most of these guys are going to be gone. And half of them that we speculate about, they're not going to have, or some of them at least, that we speculate about, they're not even going to be in consideration at 31. A couple of them will be. And so that that's the part. They have to decipher, do they want to roll those dice? I say no. I say they're done rolling the dice. I think they're going to go out and they're going to pay and pony up money for interior offensive linemen that they feel can help them and, and bolster um, that offensive line. And um, Steve Rodesevic, the, the Bengals director of uh, pro scouting, he was on with uh, Dan Horde on the Bengals booth podcast. And Steve's been on our show. And he said, look, last year, free agency, they had some really high-end free agents at the top offensive line-wise. But we didn't really like a lot of the guys. And we've talked about that. We, we He said, quote, we didn't like a lot of the guys after that first wave, essentially. And, um, you know, they re-signed Quentin Spain. They got Riley Reef, But they clearly didn't love a lot of the guys in the class. I think it's different this year where it's the other way. Yeah, there's a couple top guys that are going to get paid. But the Bengals like the, the mid-tier free agent offensive linemen. And so I think that opens things up. And so, like, a Tyler Smith, for example, and I'm just using him um, – I don't know if they would go that route. Now, if Linderbaum's there and maybe they maybe they do sign a center, well, then that's tough because Linderbaum is probably going to be in your top 20. I would be surprised. This is the same team that drafted Billy Price. I think Linderbaum's going to be much higher on their board than Price was, and they drafted Price, what, 31st or 21st overall. So um, that's part of it. Green would be awesome if he fell all the way to 31. Sign me up, right? And And so that's the thing. I don't think they have a problem with double dipping necessarily. Um, and we'll have time to talk about, you know, going center center because it's not like Linderbaum sliding to guard if you draft him at 31st overall. Um, but they're not going to plan on one of these guys being there because if you do that, you're probably going to get burned. And I think they're tired of getting burned and they're tired just as much as we are of watching their offense, not be able to function because of the offensive line. And that's why it makes so much sense that, the, these ideas that the Bengals might go defense in the draft because they probably feel like they're stable on defense, at least for one year with their veterans, with their young ascending linebackers, the way they see it, you know, yeah, they need to figure out a corner. Yeah. They need to bring back some of these interior defensive linemen, but they could probably, they're probably also thinking like if we can get a little bit of an infusion of juice on the defense in, in the way of a defensive lineman or a really high upside guy like Devin Lloyd, they're not mad at that at all. On the other side, they're probably thinking, boy, we better get this offense right this year. As I think they were thinking about the defense the last two years. Boy, we better be able to block so we don't lose the Super Bowl on three straight plays where we can't get a yard. Whereas before that, they're thinking, boy, we better be able to stop the Ravens' power running game. Boy, we better be able to go light in the box against the Chiefs and that's why they get a guy like DJ Reader. We better be able to rush the passer. That's why they get a guy like Trey Hendrickson. You know, some of those things are still there on the defensive side of the ball. They would like to rush the passer a little bit better. I, you know, we've talked about their need for corner. But you can get those things in the draft. You can get contributors there in the draft. 
Whereas on the offensive line, I think it's like, man, we're, we're right in the middle of this window. We, we hit on these defensive guys that we brought in. We need to hit on some offensive linemen for some stability yep. in that unit, because that is the unit on this team that you're going to point to over and over this off season. And we pointed to over and over during the regular season as the one that could potentially tank them. And so I think they're looking at it and saying, if we can get better in that area, if we can get some of these glass eaters, which I'm not sure Kenyon Green is, by the way. Uh, Tyler Smith definitely is. Uh, not that I'm expressing an interest. I would rather have Kenyon Green than Tyler Smith, I think, at this point. But, y- you know, just just worth bringing that up to, to throw it back to Frank Pollock's quote. You can see why this makes sense. Now, let me let me throw a few names at you that are still available where the Bengals are picking at 31st. In uh, what it was, Nicobe Dean, when the Bengals picked Kenyon Green, I think that that's a no-brainer. In that particular mock draft, Zion Johnson goes all the way up at 23 to the, mm. car- to the Cardinals to give you an idea of how high Zion Johnson has climbed in the eyes of some in the same draft. Devin Lloyd goes 21. Tyler Linderbaum goes 19. Just to update you on where some of these other guys went in this draft. And I'm looking for Trevor Penning because this is the highest I saw Trevor Penning. Mm-hmm. Seven. Yeah. I swear I saw a mock draft that had him at 31. I'm trying to recall where it was and I can't right now. It wasn't one of the ones we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Post combine, you saw that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That that would be that's because I don't think outside of small school, I don't really think that there's like a a yeah. reason why you wouldn't look at that guy, uber athlete, yep. obviously played great, great in the run game. Like yep. why you wouldn't say, all right, we can plug him in, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Uh, I, it was one of those. It also didn't have Zion Johnson in the first round at all. And I think that wow. he's like a book him for the first round right now, a shoe in for the first round. So it was one of those that kind of didn't really react to the combine a ton. The kind of stuck to their, stuck to their guns a little bit. The other one here taught where they have, Tyler Smith going 31, George Carl Loftus going 32 from Purdue. I think he'd be mm-hmm. very intriguing to the Bengals. The at, Bengals met uh, with him. Pick 31. Oh, good to know. Yeah, they met with good him. Good to know. So defensive end for those that are uh, th- that don't know. But yeah. Yeah, good shout. Uh, apparently the media higher on Carl Loftus in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see whether draft Twitter, as it were, or the NFL is more correct about George Carl Loftus in a few years. Uh, Bernard Raymond in this mock goes at 29. I don't think he was selected in the first round of the previous mock. And this one, Trevor Penning goes 26. Kenyon Green goes 25. And I'm looking for uh, Devin Lloyd, 19. I'm looking for Linderbaum. I think Linderbaum must have gone quite early in this one. 14 to the Ravens, which uh, is something that you could pretty easily see happening, right? Last one to talk about, Kenyon Green goes 29 in the uh, Locked On NFL Draft. Makair Elam is a guy that's moved up, I think, into the 20s for a lot of guys. I I was seeing him as an option quite frequently at 31, the corner from Florida. Mm -hmm. 25 in this mock, Zion Johnson, 22, uh, and and long gone. George Karloftis, by the way, in this one, 14. So you see kind of the disparities in where some of these guys are getting picked. Trevor Penning here, 10th. And, and you're seeing guys like uh, Jordan Davis in the top 10, top 15 of some mocks. Jermaine Johnson from Florida State going in the top four. Trayvon Walker from Georgia in the top five. Going to be number three in Lance Zerline's mock draft, which I don't think has dropped yet, but he mentioned it 
on uh, the the Athletic Football Show podcast with Dame Brugler. So a lot of uncertainty, man. That's that's one of the big takeaways for me. A wide range of opinions from a lot of people that are connected, more and less connected from the NFL, the people that are kind of drafting off of their own thoughts versus what they're hearing from from league sources. So that that's the combine for you, man. A lot of information going to crystallize here in the next few weeks. Yeah, I think uh, Sauce Gardner, my guy, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, um, I don't think he's a top 30 player. And I, I think that the NFL should just pass on him. Man. Um, look, look he, he can't run. Four, four, no, one. Ball, no ball skills. Uh, poor size. You, you want to talk about short arms. I mean, uh, 30, you want to talk about he like, swag. Was he, he doesn't, like 33 he, inch arms? He, you, you want to talk about swag. He doesn't have any swag like Burrow and, and Chase and those dudes. So like he, he doesn't fit anything, you know, he should just drop. No, um, obviously I feel the exact opposite of everything I just said there yeah. from his sauce chain to his long arms, to watching him do field drills and being like, how does a guy with that length move that way? And then you're right. He ran a four, four, one who that boy was moving yeah. and he's going to be, he might be a top five pick. I mean, Looks, Certainly looks like 10. he could be. Yeah, there, there's so. some debate between him and Stingley, and there's some debate as to like whether edge guys are going to fill out the top 10 or whether these corners are going to sneak in. There's yeah. a lot of top five-ish guys, it feels like. And so with Stingley, like the fact that two years ago, Stingley was considered the no-brainer top yep. corner in this draft class. The fact that this kid from the, the University of Cincinnati has played his way into it. And I remember saying – it wasn't on because we're locked on Bengals, but it was before the Cotton Bowl. I was like, yeah, Sauce is going to be the number one corner taken in the draft. And people are like, come on, man. Come on, James. I'm like, he's going to test well, and then he's going to be the top corner taken. So uh, things are are bode well for my uh, my prediction that I made. A, what, it was in late December, I believe. So we'll, we'll the, see if the, it happens. The last two notes. One, he moved. You're, you're right. The 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 – smoothness and agility that he showed when flipping his hips in a back pedal is like mind blowing stuff for, yes. for a guy built the way he is. Like that doesn't yep. make any sense to see a guy yep. move that smoothly. The other thing, and this is for everybody, not just sauce. I was listening to that athletic football show. Lance Zerline said that they put in a new field, a new turf field in Indianapolis in 2020. This is the first combine since 2020 this is the first time these guys have run on the new turf he thinks it's a fast track and the reason he thought it was a fast track is because he knows a lot of these guys trainers and some of these guys have broke a 4-2 where like the 4-2-3 the 4-2-7 those guys were running like 4-3-3 on oh. on their training oh. tracks and so he and jordan davis for example like maybe he's a 4-8-5 guy at 400, 350 pounds, which is insane, not a four, seven, eight guy. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he thinks that it, it, like legitimately, he believes it was a fast track that impacted a lot of times. So it'll be really interesting to see how teams weigh that, especially when you look at some of these corners talking about corners. I was really high on Kyler Gordon going into the combine and then he ran a four, five, one. And if you ran a four, five, one on a fast track, his teammate Trent <laughs> McDuffie seen as a first round pick as well, ran a four, five, I think. If, if those guys are running that on a fast track, you can't really draft them at corner with that speed because you, you can't really draft a four, six corner. So mm -hmm. going to be interesting to see these pro day numbers for some of these guys. See if they're running on fast tracks at their pro days as well or, or what for, 
for some of them, like Kyler Gordon, like Isaiah McDuffie, or yeah, that's his name, right? Still struggling with names. Trent McDuffie? I believe so. Yeah, that sounds more right. I almost corrected myself to Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie. Who's Isaiah McDuffie? Made up player that you have in your Madden team. Bet we should wrap up the show. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm going to stop making up players as the combine is behind us. The free agency will be our focus for the next couple of days, although we'll talk to Butch a little bit about what he heard at the combine when we talk to Mr. Hobson uh, for Thursday's show. We'll get our free agency preview and James and my offseason plans to you to wrap up the week. And tomorrow's Andre Perota with some cap talk and a free agency preview there as well. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.